Hello and welcome to episode two of Comedy Keys, the podcast for music directors of the comedy arts. Today's episode is going to focus on vocal warm-ups. Today for the first real episode of the podcast, we're sitting down with Gwen Coburn, who has a degree in vocal pedagogy from the Boston Conservatory, as well as a long history of uh, musical theater, teaching voice lessons, and generally being a good person and good singer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Gwen, uh, you have opinions about vocal warm-ups and how we should do them as music directors in improv. Uh, oh, tell I? us a little bit about tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I do. Um, so. Uh, I think that warm-ups are a place that we uh, see a lot of music directors who are coming to music directing and are fabulous pianists, maybe have worked with choirs before, um, but I think we don't think about warm-ups as functional pieces. We think about them as maybe bringing a group together. Um, a lot of times people will think about them as like hitting range, and that's what I see mostly out of warm-ups is that oftentimes it'll be the same kind of routine, um, whereas warm-ups are responsive to singers' voices, and that's difficult when you're dealing with a group, but I think that one place that we could all kind of get on the same page about warming up is that we are working on literally warming up a muscle, warming up some musculature. Um, so for singers, that might mean less expansive range-wise, that might mean quieter than we tend to typically think. Like why as a singer do we do vocal warm-ups? Yeah, so what I, I love to make the analogy of um, a gymnast. Um, so a warm-up is essentially you're stretching out all your muscles, you're working all your coordination, you're double checking, can I move this part? Can I warm up this muscle so that it's flexible and functions optimally? Um, and when, when someone's doing that in preparation for a competition or in a, in a pursuit in which we can actually see the result, like a dancer or a gymnast, um, we see that they're like, they start out more gentle with their musculature, right? Uh, they don't go straight to their biggest trick or their biggest jeté, right? Um, similarly with vocalists, I think we want to work in a modal, which is speaking voice, range um, in small amounts kind of get just the musculature moving a little bit of flexibility um, when we add too much weight and too much volume too soon it's like we're pushing through the lack of flexibility if you look at a lot of performers who are using their voice every single day um, especially if they have multiple shows per week multiple shows per weekend or if they do something like teach during the day, which a lot of performers are teaching artists as well, teaching improv, teaching other things, then you find that the general wear and tear is greater. I've, I've heard a lot of people come back and say, hey, you know, at the end of a long week, my voice is tired, um, which is understandable because not only are you using your voice during the performance, but also during your daily life. And if you're not taking care of it and really gently warming it up, um, you're probably getting more wear and tear than you need to. And if you're a long-term vocal athlete, which is kind of a gross <laughs> term, but if we think about it in that way, if we think of ourselves as like a vocal athlete, then not taking care of our musculature and not properly warming up is going to cause some problems long-term. 
So I actually that the the thought of it sort of being like a muscle, being like an athlete, and you can exhaust your voice. This is just a personal question, mm-hmm. but what happens when we're sick to our voice? Like, is there are there additional considerations we need to have then? Yeah, absolutely. So generally, when people say my voice is sore when they're sick, uh, they're not talking about their voice specifically. What they're talking about is the tissues around it. So through your oral cavity, through your pharynx, your throat, um, your nasopharynx, up in your sinuses, those things are sore and swollen. Um, but those all do have an effect on your voice. So those are, those are signs that things could be happening at the level of your vocal folds too, particularly if you're someone who has post-nasal drip when they're sick, or if you're someone who has acid reflux when you're sick, you might not feel at your vocal folds sore because that's not typically what we feel, but you might feel sore in other areas. And it's good to listen to your body and say, okay, I need to think about how I'm using my voice. Um, a big misconception is uh, that we only injure ourselves when we're using our voice for singing. Um, that, oh, I'm doing something wrong with my singing and I must have hurt myself. And generally, when people have vocal injury or when people are finding themselves chronically tired, it's an all life thing. Um, as improvisers, we spend a lot of time talking to other people, spend a lot of time talking to people in the lobby of the comedy club or in a bar, and those are loud venues. But even taking a step back from those loud venues, places like in the car, if you're someone who talks a lot or sings a lot in the car, um, if you're traveling for gigs and talking to someone, uh, if you warm yourself up in the shower, those are places that there's a lot of extra noise that we don't really register, but that makes us kick up our vocal use just a little bit. Can you hit warming up in the shower? Is that a thing that happens and that sounds like a bad thing? Yeah, so here's here's the skinny. The benefits of warming up in the shower are that it is a nice humid place um, and there are, there are some benefits to steam um, that you're probably relaxed and you're gonna sound great because acoustically it's fantastic. Uh, the downside is that there there's this background noise and it causes you to kick it up a level or you sound great and there's a little bit of background noise so you kick it up a little bit more even than that. So you're singing, you're over singing just by a little bit which shouldn't be a problem, but if you're someone who extends that and does that every single day and then goes and sings a bunch of shows, uh, it's part of the puzzle. So really it's not any one thing, it's this greater puzzle that you have to look at. Um, And if you did happen to have a greater problem with your voice and went to a speech language pathologist, they would analyze all of that. That it's not just, okay, well how are you singing during shows, though that's certainly part of it, but what does your life look like? What does your vocal use look like? What does your life look like? What does your what life look like? What are you what doing, are you with, doing your with your life? And then most improvisers will cry. <laughs> Apparently uh, singing in the shower for too long and too loud. Yeah. Um, and again, none of these things, I think none of these things are things that you should stop doing altogether. They're not certainly not things that I've stopped doing altogether, but they're things to be aware of. You want to be aware of what am I doing with my voice? There are things within our control and there are things we can't control. So let's let's delve into the, the things that we can control. Uh, oh. As a vocalist or improviser, what are things that we 
can actively be doing to save our voices and still let us go have a few drinks at the bar after the show. Yeah, so I think these are going to sound really simple, but um, a couple things you can do are when you're going out to have a drink at the bar, being aware of that. How much am I drinking? Am I someone who needs to be aware of how much I'm drinking um, because I'll get pretty badass reflux? Um, am I in the loudest corner of the bar? Is there a way I can go out? Is the back patio quieter? Um, things that you can control are what do I need in terms of warm-ups? I think a lot of singers um, and improvisers, particularly improvisers that um, singing is part of their show but maybe don't think of themselves as musical yep. improvisers primarily, uh, don't warm up before they get to the theater. And then I think that's a problem because you get to your warm-up with your MD and your MD should know something about vocal technique, and most do, and they're giving you a nice warm-up, but it's short. And within that, not only are they working on warming you up vocally, they're also working on things like getting the group on the same page, maybe reviewing song structure, uh, talking about the opening of the show. They have a whole lot on their plate that they're trying to get done in that short amount of time. And it's not really proper time for a full warm-up. So I think it's on, on the performer to take some time before they get to the theater and gently warm themselves up a little bit. As an improviser, on my way to the theater, mm -hmm. let's say I'm in my car so I have some private space, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, probably more difficult on public transit. But hypothetically, if I'm in my car driving to the theater, what are some things that I can be doing so that I'm ready to go when I get there? Great. Uh, well, first of all, um, just taking note to yourself, reminder that like the car is a place that I certainly warm up, that we've all warmed up, but that is a little bit louder and keeping yourself in check about that. Uh, making sure we're not over singing. Singing along to the radio is a lot of fun. It is not really a great warm up. Uh, it's super loud and not the kind of gentle stretching that we need to be doing. I find that the best place to start is around where you speak in small range. So nothing more than say a third, sliding. And uh, there's a term called semi-occluded vocal positioning. Um, basically all it means is sounds like F or V and uh, anything like that or like a lip bubble. You've probably had music directors who do lip bubbles uh, and they are things that we use actually in speech language pathologists use as well to take some of the pressure off of your vocal folds. It's a little bit gentler. Um, it's a nice gentle way to warm yourself up. So starting there, uh, the other thing that it does for you is it gives you a secondary check about your breath. Right. So in that case, you're not sort of over exerting your breath because you can only really do that to the extent that you have the breath capacity for. Is that... Yeah, or uh, for example, um, we'll see if you can hear this on the recording. Um, if I am misusing my breath, if I'm really pushing my breath, you get that sound, you can tell that you're revving it up in a way that you might not be aware of when you're singing because there are so many other factors when you add on vowel positioning when you add on words, when you add on dynamic, um, or if you add on a greater motion or a specific interval pattern. Um, whereas this is 
very general, loosely based off intervals, very slidey, non-specific. Um, it's about warming up your musculature. It's not about making a sound that is performance ready. So don't start all the way up, all the way down, but yeah. start comfortable in the middle mm -hmm. without a lot of loud either. Exactly. Exactly. Not a lot of loud, comfortable and comfortable can be surprising to people. Um, but I would start around where you speak all day. You can do this. Uh, if you have any access to a piano, just kind of hold out your speech a little bit, see where you're normally speaking and you'll find, Oh, I really resonate around this kind of a pitch. This is where I live. Most people live at one pitch all day and they'll find that that's a very resonant place for them. It's a good place to start. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we jump over to the piano and we'll see if we can find, yeah. uh, what each, you probably know your resonant pitch already. I However, have an idea. But I we'll have see. no idea what mine is. All right. Let's <clears throat> check it out. And what I find is making the sound mm-hmm, like you're agreeing with someone, mm -hmm. tends to be mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that tends to be a good place to start. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's about where I am. Yeah. I'm pretty much always around an A or a B flat. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to scramble this so that my ear doesn't have a pitch in mind, and I'm going to try to figure this out on yeah, my own, right? Yeah, give it a shot. So, there you go. So, starting with an mm-hmm. Yep. And then just give that a few times. Yeah. And that makes sense for you, right? You're a you're a lower voice type than me. Um, so everyone's got their own individual place, but I think it really is on the performer to take a little bit of care of themselves first. A particular exercise that you might move on from there once you've kind of worked in your modal range uh, to stretch upward it would be short little staccato heaths, with no duration, just touching on things, letting your musculature start to move without having to sustain, um, and again keeping at a lower volume level. We're we're still driving to the theater. We've mm -hmm. got our basics down, our comfortable speaking voice, that kind of stuff. So now we're starting to do a little bit of pitch stuff. So it's just mm -hmm. like you said, some, some he's uh, without any duration. What else do we want to add on to that? Uh, so the next thing that I would do probably are some light still sliding. So we're starting to add on some vowels. Uh, we're keeping the sliding that we've been doing. So sticking with that breath consistency. Once we've found that motion within our breath, making sure to keep it. Um, but allowing ourselves to add on a little bit more to it now, right? Now we're adding on sustaining. We added vowels on before with a he, he, he. Um, so we're kind of building off our foundation and doing some light stretching, still keeping our volume level low. We'll continue to talk about volume levels. I feel very strong about it. <laughs> Let's talk about warming up in a group with a music director. With a music director, as a music director. Yes. Great. Uh, so as a music director, I think you want to start with similar exercises to what we did, but that you can push it a little bit further, right? You can adjust a little bit, both because everyone's warmed up a little bit so we can stretch our ranges more and because you're dealing with a bigger group. So you have the Scott baritones of this world yeah. in your group and you also have the Gwen Sopranos of this world in the same group. You have to hit all the things for them. 
I was like, uh, Gwen Soprano just sounds like a great uh, name, probably from The Sopranos. If oh, I ever Gwen Soprano? Yeah. <laughs> Part of the family. <laughs> it's a spinoff. Yeah. Um, it's the musical spinoff. Exactly. The way that I structure warm-ups, and I think that um, everyone should think about warm-ups, is in the systems of voice. So systematic voice teaching is voice teaching based off of the idea that your voice works uh, in a, a system from bottom to top, and that is respiratory, phonatory, uh, articulatory, and resonatory, um, and also postural. I put that one um, with a little footnote on it uh, because postural is something that you work on gradually over time. Definitely want to give your cats a little bit of just so that they're aware of it. I think having them stretch up and roll their shoulders and, and find their optimal posture is important. And at the same time, knowing that telling someone to stand up perfectly straight probably isn't what they do every day and will cause more tension than it will cause uh, benefits to their singing. Um, so starting with some body awareness stuff um, and then going on to breath, I think personally that breathing in a vacuum sometimes doesn't translate over to singing. Also, breathing in a vacuum is literally impossible. <laughs> Thank you, Sky. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so breathing exercises by themselves without sound put over them, uh, I think sometimes can be hard for people to translate. Uh, but then moving on to what we talked about previously with the semi-occluded vocal tract positioning, um, these things that are technically breath exercises, they do require consistency of breath, um, and it, it provides you a platform to assess a greater number of people and how they're doing. If you can hear lip bubbles and you can hear that people are really pushing the gas towards the top, that's more audible than trying to listen for that specific effect without the lip bubble on top of it. In a large group, just if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's easier to give the note of, hey guys, let's see if we can keep the bubble of our lips really consistent. It's uh, something that's easier to say to a large group of people and have it be effective. Um, so then we've, we've started with our respiratory and our phonatory systems already, but no notably, keeping out of it anything that would really deal with our... Um, articulatory, so having to make words or vowels specifically, um, and our resonatory, anything that asks people to change what they would normally do with nasality or their soft palate. Um, we're letting that be for, for the moment. Um, and the reason for that is that it's just too much to ask people to do all at once. It's a coordination yeah. game. So the more that you can kind of build from the bottom, the better coordinated your singers will be. So we move on to adding in words, adding in vowels. My personal opinion is to start with high tongue vowel positions like E's and glides like W and Y sounds that keep a consistency of a vowel. When we start adding on vowels, we're starting to incorporate our articulatory. So even okay. though he doesn't feel very articulatory, I think people tend to think of articulatory as intensive diction. It doesn't need to be. Articulatory is any time that you're using any of your articulators. 
your lips, your tongue, any time that you're getting that kind of coordination. What do I want out of an articulatory warm-up? Is it that I want my cast to sing and use words expressively? And if so, how can I design a warm-up that hits that specifically? Because that sounds like it's more about musicality. Is it that I want them to be very clear with a specific one? Do I want crisper T's and S's? And if so, can we just do a series of t t t Or is it that I really just need clearer words? And if so, can I ask my cast, give me really clear words. Can you give me, I often use um, British is a great one or uh, Disney prince or princess. Give me the Disney version, uh, which oftentimes doesn't cause as much tension as the uh, kind of overblown specific asking for diction. Asking for diction seems to be like a, a tension button on a lot of singers. Awesome. We've covered respiratory, phonatory, articulatory, so let's talk about resonatory warm-ups. What, what those look like, what some examples might be, and why we do them. Great. Resonatory warm-ups I think are really important for improvisers. Something that we don't think a lot about uh, in voice lessons, uh, but we do think a lot about as improvisers, is that we sing in voices all the time. We create characters, and a lot of the way we do that is by changing our resonance. We all have a natural resonance that we like to go to, whether it's more uh, hypernasal or hyponasal, hypernasal and hyponasal, which has mostly to do with the raising and lowering of your soft palate. Now, if your performers aren't singers, then they may or may not have awareness of what their soft palate is doing. That's something that I find you have to build proprioception and feeling in over time. But what you can do as an improv MD is encourage silly voices, right? Having that nasty cat warm up where now you're going to do it in the hypernasal way and maybe not putting it to your improvisers that way, but imitate me or a witch voice or however you like to put it and then adjusting because your group may hear which voice and respond in a way that you think oh gosh that sounds like a whole lot of tension when really what I'm looking for is just nasality same with hypo we often talk about that yawning feeling or an oh no sort of feeling but listening for is that causing tension am I hearing a lot of uh, depressed larynxes or overly dark vowels or am I really getting what I want out of it and finding that common language that works for your ensemble that gets them to do what you are looking for without causing anything else um, and the reason to stretch that is again because your cast is going to be singing in character voices to that end does sort of adding the improv elements into the musical warm-ups have some purpose as well or should vocal warm-ups just be focused on the voice rather than sort of the cast bond energy sort of things that you get with other improv warm-ups oh that's a great question and i think uh, probably some music directors will have better answers than i do about some of that uh, but my thoughts are that you need to hit all of that and my ideal warm-up that i dream of <laughs> Um, and that many people uh, at uh, our theater do, and it's really lovely, is 
a gradient of purely vocal, very steady warm up of just your voice to, all right, well now we're adding in a little bit of improvisation and group mind and you're learning how to keep what you were doing, keep the vocal foundation we just laid down and also start to activate those improv muscles. Um, harmonization exercises are always really fun in that way uh, because they don't add too much on, but that's a skill and that's requiring your singers to make some choices. And then moving on to song structure or making a song or really getting into, all right, you've done all this work, we've warmed up all parts of your voice, we've started to get your brain flowing while keeping that voice going underneath it, let's apply it now because you're about to do a show. So what I would love to do is take some examples of that and maybe try them out on the piano. Great. And see what that <laughs> ends up looking like. Yeah. So we're just going to do a basically a sliding lip trill down. It's going to start on E and go down to A. So we're just doing fifths. Great. So that's going to sound like this. We're just walking it down by half steps. sound? Yeah, sure. So. Great. And we're pausing around that E for reasons that Gwen can explain. Yeah, so we're pausing around that E because that is where we start to get into passaggio land, uh, which is a quite simply, the break in your voice. Um, and we're going to negotiate that as we sing, but if we're starting to warm up while we sing, let's start with our modal, let's jump up and above it, and then let's work our way back down and through it. All right, so now we'll go to sort of a different part of the range, right? Yeah. And do some knees. Uh, so this is starting on F, and we'll just do the uh, root third fifth is what that's gonna be. Yeah. So. just starting to warm up, then uh, we want to keep the durations nice and short. Yep. And again, uh, this was just going from F to A flat here, um, because again, we start to get to a second break point in people's voices as you get up to this uh, E flat up here, right? Yeah. And you, can, you can keep going, particularly with the lack of duration. Um, it's not quite as uh, imperative to like stop and give people a a break there. Um, it, we're just touching on it, but letting people know that they have the option to opt out or opt down um, and not pushing for stratospheric right away. Now we're getting, we're a little warmer and we can sort of go through more of the middle of the range with a, 
I'm not going to be able to say that word. A shooey. Shooey, yeah. So we're getting our lips moving out front. So we are starting to hit articulatory. Um, and we're also, we have some vowels in there, right? So we're starting to get those bright E vowels. Cool. And this is just going to be, for the MD, it's just fifths again. So yeah, it's just sliding fifths. Uh, nice a, and simple. A being a good place to start. So that's going to be... Um, So you're saying at some point it really becomes MD choice of like what you like to do, right? It is. At some point it is totally your choice um, where it's up to you what you like to do, what your group needs, uh, but all the while just keeping in mind that you're being mindful of why you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and there are totally valid reasons to do many different warm-ups, but knowing why I'm doing it, what are the pitfalls? What are the benefits? How do I talk to my group about this warm-up to get what I'm looking for? Cool. Um, then we'll stop here for now. We can go into depth at some other in another podcast about like the whole plethora of warm-ups that exist oh, out there. I'm excited to listen and hear everyone's warm-ups. Um, yeah, I want to kind of collect collect a collection of them and see what what people say because there's everyone's got like a couple that they go to. I've noticed. Yeah, every, every MD has a couple of warm-ups that they go to. Oh, your face is making faces. You should have, like, a warm-up of the day segment on this. Oh, I with like With your it. guest. <laughs> like, you should have, like, your guest's favorite warm-up and why. Nice. I like that. One thing I would love to see from MDs that's a challenge, and I, I don't have any answers for you, unfortunately. I would love to hear more opinions on it, is that I'm talking a lot about over-singing and singing too loud. And one reason for that in brief is that when we're singing in modern styles, uh, particularly female belt and contemporary uh, styles of song, they're all designed to be miked. They're all designed for a singer to make a smaller sound and then to be amplified. And we aren't singing amplified most of the time. Uh, it wouldn't really make a lot of sense. It would make tech very difficult. Uh, so one thing that I have questions about is how can we all as performers make decisions that keep the energy of the room and the show exciting and up and at the same time bring the volume level down a little further? Cool. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast and being our guinea pig for our first uh, real episode. Thanks for having me. And perhaps we will have you back for more detail on a later episode. That would be fun. I can't wait to listen to the rest of your episode. Thank you.